Welcome to this series from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. We have got some really special guests with us. They are originally from South Africa. Now, he started speaking to me in Dutch. Uh, it was kind of funny because all the Dutch I know I learned from my grandpa and it's cuss words. <laughs> so I, didn't, I did not answer, all right? But we have Mac and Caroline Leaf. Hey, would you please stand, welcome them. So glad that they're here, guys. Blessings, take off, give us heaven. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Thank you, you may be seated. Well, welcome all of you here tonight. I'm Big Mac, I've been married to the brain for 29 years. I'm the subject of most of the books that uh, you can get at the back there, and we bought our whole selection. And yes, it's good to laugh. It relaxes you, gets the endorphins going, primes you for learning, because you're going to learn a lot. Three separate sessions. We're very honored to stand before you. We, um, we travel the world, and uh, I just love Michigan. I mean, I've heard so much about this beautiful state of yours. We live in the hot state of Texas at the moment, so it's great to be here. Anyway, it talks about, uh, I've been telling you you're going to learn a lot just reminded me the other day that I read the story of this biology teacher and she had this little girl in the class and she was trying to explain to the little girl that even though whales are very big mammals, they have small throats. They can't swallow anything bigger than uh, the normal fish in the sea, so they certainly can't swallow a human. And this little girl was arguing with her, so that's not true. What I heard was that the whale swallowed Jonah. The teacher says, no, that's not true. It didn't happen like that. And so they're arguing back and forth. Eventually, the little girl says, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah. So the teacher says, what happens if he's in hell? And the little girl says, well, then you can ask him. <laughs> so I'm going to leave you in uh, Caroline's hands here. You're going to get a lot of slides. We've got props and everything for you. We really um, are blessed to be able to present this message around the world. Three separate messages this weekend. I encourage you, all of you to attend all the sessions. So, and if you miss out on anything, we have all the resources in the back there. So from Texas, bless y'all, as they say. <laughs> Thank you. Well, good evening, everyone. It really is an honor to be here. And Max going on about the yawl in Texas, but we're actually on our way to California. So we're actually moving down there because it's so much like South Africa. We've already, we've got four children. Here's a picture of our four children. And they, two of them already live in UCA, go to UCLA and Pepperdine and live there. So we're on our way down there as well. Now there's nothing like children, as you know, to keep you in shape, especially when you teach what I do. Mac and I can't even have a decent argument anymore because my kids just pick up one of my books and say, well, you can choose and you can change your mind and you can control your thoughts and so you kind of, you know, <laughs> but it's good because we then we can do the same back to them. The whole point is that we are so blessed by God to have a love, power and a sound mind. I get so excited because I'm a cognitive neuroscientist and a communication pathologist, which in, in English just means that I've been studying the brain for many, many years, and I've been studying specifically the science of thought, how we think, how our thoughts form, how, can, how do we control our thoughts, can we control our thoughts, what does it mean when God says, bring all thoughts into captivity to Christ Jesus, what does it mean when he says, renew your mind? I've been a Christian my whole life, so it was just very natural for me to gravitate towards scriptures when I studied science. And it's the most natural thing in the world because as we all know, God made everything. So science is simply a description of the everything. So as we understand science and as we learn about science, we learn about his, his incredible creative majesty. We see him, we see him in science. Every time I read a scientific study, I see another incredible way of just understanding him deeper. I just see his glory and his magnificence. I do a lot of brain research to keep up in my field and I, I do about two hours a day, minimum, sometimes a lot more than that. And I was just, yesterday I was just doing some research, watching a conference that's um, where they are debating what that it's called the hard question of science. And that is, what is consciousness? Who am I? Why do I think? Why are you different to me? Why are we here? You know, the typical questions that have been asked for millennia. And they, these brilliant scientists are presenting all this research and then I'm listening to all these different people talking about consciousness and the science is fantastic. Not once did they acknowledge God, but they were all searching and saying that there's just something 
out there? And I said, yes, there is something out there. It's called God. You know, you kind of want to complete their sentences. And they're searching around and going in circles. And the hard question is not really the hard question because we're made in his image and he's a brilliant God and he has given us a love, power, and sound mind. And one day, well, I've already presented a lot of, of scientific conferences and things, but one day it would be lovely to be able to stand in front of many hundreds of thousands of scientists and tell them, you know, it is God who is the source of all things. And science is very interesting because as you see, science dies one funeral at a time. So basically, as people, scientists very often think, well, now we've found the God spot in the brain and now we've found the, the, quest, the answer to the hard questions in science or now we've found this. And, you know, you can get so caught up because the science is so magnificent and God is revealing the science so they can get so caught up with their own intellect that they sometimes think, you know, I think not sometimes, I think often scientists can think they're better than God. And then as soon as that happens, I watch an amusement because God then reveals another layer of science. And, and they literally have to go back to the drawing board. You see, God has got our back. He keeps showing us new stuff. It's all the time, and science is how we learn about that. So he, he knows what he's doing. He, we don't have to worry that God is dead like a few Dawkins and various different people have tried to tell us through science. We don't have to see science as separate from God because science is should be in the church because science glorifies and make, shows his magnificence. So what I'm going to do is share a little bit with you over this weekend about the field of the field that I've done a lot of work in and link it back to the scriptures because I take tremendous um, excitement. It's so so exciting to see how the scriptures and science are so interlinked and so intertwined within each other, which they should be. Okay, so we're going to talk this evening about a lo our love power and our sound mind. Now I know you know that scripture. We know the scripture. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but has given us a spirit of love, power, and soundness. Now if you meditate on that scripture just for a few moments, it will astound you. That means that your normal is love, power, and soundness. Now look on the stage, you'll see green trees on this side. For any of you here, if you've ever seen me teach before, if you haven't, I always teach with this setup. And um, where I have green trees, and this represents the love zone. The big tree is God, the little tree is us made in his image. On this side, you'll see a little wiry tree, and this is the fear zone. So this is the opposite spiritual force that cannot coexist with the with love. Okay, so love and fear are two opposite spiritual forces that cannot coexist. Okay, so this is very powerful because what this means is that our normal is actually one of these two. So we look at the scriptures to find out what the truth is. We'll see that we're made in God's image, which you know. We'll see that we've got a love power and a sound mind, which you also know. So that means that your and my nature by default is one of love. So we have love, power, and soundness at our core. So fear is not who we are. Love is who we are. But then God gave us this incredible ability to choose. He loved us so much that he gave us his son. And he loved us so much that he designed us with a free will. And we are a spirit, we are a soul, and we are a body. So we're going to have a look at a few scriptures to actually help us understand this. Did the picture of my kids come up? There you go. Okay, that was in Rome last year. Okay, so we're going to have a look at the fact that we are thinking beings. Okay, we're going to look at this concept of having a love, power, and a sound mind made in God's image. We are thinking beings, beings, and we are spirit, soul, and body. I always use this as a foundation for what I teach because we don't really understand, I think a lot of the times, the fact that we have three parts to us, that we are a spirit, we're a soul and we're a body, live in a body. Okay, so our spirit is the highest part of us and it has those three, those three divisions as you can see. Your intuition, where the Holy Spirit lays down truth. Your conscience, which is basically, as we know, right and wrong. And then your communion, your desire to worship and connect with God, which is all over us. You know, scientists have found that we are wired for love. And what that means is that every single structure, every single neurocircuit, every single neurotransmitter, every single part of you, every single thing about you physically is wired for love. You have nothing in the human brain and body that is designed for anything negative or anything toxic. So our normal is that default mode of love. The scientists have seen that. So God reveals this in nature. So what we actually see 
in science are very interesting things. I'm sure you've heard of the reward circuit. You hear a lot about the reward circuit and you hear about it linked to food and you hear about it linked to drugs and all kinds of things. Well, I'm going to make a statement now that may surprise you. You see, we have these reward circuits in our brain. God has wired these, these circuits in our brain that are designed to be addicted to love. So we are designed to be addicted to love. Addicted, addiction is often seen as a bad word, but addiction is actually an excellent word because it means that you are consumed by something. And we are designed to be consumed by God and immersed in God. And all of our circuitry is wired in that love, power, and sound direction. So when we use our free will to make wrong decisions, when we step out of our normal natural zone and we step into this zone, we basically cause damage in our body. And that's what I'm going to be teaching you about tonight and showing you some slides. So in other words, we have the power to choose. And what we choose will physically change the nature of the physical part of man. So let's understand the soul now. So let's be spirit, which is the highest part of us. And that, then we have our soul, which is in the middle. The soul is our mind, which is our intellect, our will, and our emotions. So you're intellectual. You're brilliant. You have a great mind. If anyone has ever told you anything different, I'm here standing before you as a scientist, as well as, as a Christian, as well as someone who's done intelligence research for nearly 30 years now, and I'm telling you, you are brilliant. You have a phenomenal brain, a phenomenal mind. You are made in God's image, so you should be brilliant, and you are brilliant. So sometimes you may, or you may be thinking now, well, that may be someone else. I haven't lived up to that. Well, very often, your environment, your nurturing can impact how you see yourself. So we, tonight, we'll hopefully start setting you free. So if you've had that spoken over your life, I I want you to re-look at your life through the eyes of God and the eyes of your natural design. You have this love, power, and sound mind that is deeply intellectual. You are deeply intellectual. You're a deep thinker. You also, in our mind, which is our soul realm, we have our emotions, which are our feelings. So if you look back at the slide again, you'll see there that our soul is our intellect, as I've mentioned, as well as our feelings, our emotions. God has given us emotions to give color to our life, to give dimension, and does all kinds of one wonderful things inside the body as well. So then we have, and then also part of our soul is our ability to choose. We are thinking beings that can choose. I lay before you, look at the scripture there, Deuteronomy 3019, one that we are all so familiar with. I lay before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. So in other words, you are able to choose. And that's and the reason I'm stressing that, I know you know that, but a lot of science for many years and scientists and philosophers for many years have tried to say that we can't choose, that we are predetermined robots, that we are just responding to the a program that's already been placed in, inside of us that we are biological automatons or whatever you want to call it, but we're not. We are intellectual beings. We have a creative power in us. We are made in God's image. So then you have your physical body of which your brain is a part, obviously your brain and your body, and your brain is basically controlling your body. Now look at the order, spirit, soul, body, and this is what I want to stress. You are a triune being, spirit, soul, and body. The spirit is the highest part of you. The spirit is designed to dominate the soul. The soul, which is the mind, is designed to reflect and dominate the physical, which is the brain. In other words, the brain is separate from the mind. Remember, the soul is the mind. So the mind and the brain are not the same thing. They are separate things. So therefore, basically, the physical brain which controls the body is subservient to your soul. It is subservient to your mind. So what you are thinking about and what you are choosing and what you are feeling is changing the structure of your brain. You merge with your environments. Whatever you're paying attention to is wiring and making changes in your brain. So your natural design is to actually be addicted to love and to pay attention to the good stuff. But you can choose to focus on the negative stuff. And in focusing on the negative stuff, you will be wiring in toxicity into your brain. There is a physical consequence of the choices that you make about where you direct your attention. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to be talking about the science of choice and show you how we do this and link in some principles of quantum physics to show you how God has given us and blessed us with this incredible ability to choose. Okay, so you with your incredible mind, you can choose. And when you make a choice, you actually change the physical nature of your brain and your body. So we spirit soul body, and when we are born again, we 
literally plug into the Holy Spirit. So until you're born again, you are not plugged into the Holy Spirit. Your spirit is unregenerated. And this is why we need to choose to follow Christ because it is only through Christ that our spirit will become regenerated. So as we choose to follow Christ, our spirit plugs into the Holy Spirit. And then we are led. the Holy Spirit speaks to our spirit, which speaks to our soul, which speaks to our physical. So the soul has one foot in the door of the spirit of man and one foot in the door of the physical of man. And why am I belaboring this point? Because your soul is your mind. And your mind, if your mind is not prospering, like it says in 3 John 2, then nothing else will prosper. You see, it is through your mind that you choose to listen to the Holy Spirit. With your mind, you choose to ignore the Holy Spirit. With your mind, you choose to follow Christ. With your mind, you choose not to follow Christ. With your mind, you choose to listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. With your mind, you choose not to listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You see, you have a love power and a sound mind. And with your deep intellect and your emotions, you can choose to listen to the guidance that the Holy Spirit will give us in our spirit, man, or we can choose not to. You are free to choose whatever you want to choose but remember there are consequences of your choices as the scriptures say and we see those consequences played out in the world around us and we see it played out in our bodies and this is a big part of the research that I've done is looking at how our thinking what is a thought how does it form and basically what is the impact on our, on our physical nature as, which then reflects basically in how we are thinking choosing feeling how we are running our life how we are functioning academically what are you saying what you're doing and how effective you are at that and here's the wonderful thing. A few, a few years ago, not that, not that long ago, um, back in the 80s, it was not considered that your brain could change. It was only in the mid-1990s that neuroplasticity, which means neuro means brain and plastic means to change. It was only in the middle of the mid-90s that it was accepted that the brain could change. So I was trained in an era where I was told the brain could not change. I was told when I was trained to work with my patients with all kinds of learning disabilities and brain damage from stroke and heart attack and all kinds of things and emotional issues. I was basically trained to do therapy with them, to be able to teach them to compensate. But I was not trained to change a brain. I was not told that. I was told your brain couldn't change, but I knew the scriptures. And there were a few, few scientists in the world that just didn't agree with that because people change all the time. And your physical part of you is, the, is, is subservient to, to your mind. So what research shows, and if you look at the next slide, what we know from research, and this is part of the research I've done as well, is that when you are in when you put intense mental effort, when you use your mind, it, it reorganizes, look at that, it reorganizes and changes your brain patterns. This is really good news because when God tells us to renew our mind, what we are doing is we are choosing to listen to the Holy Spirit, getting guidance, and in doing that, we are changing our mind. You see, the scriptures say the implanted word of God will save your soul, not the implanted word of Google and gossip. That is not going to save your soul. But if you choose to immerse yourself in God and listen to the Holy Spirit, you are wiring good stuff in your brain. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in control of what we are putting into our brain. So what you are focusing on is becoming part of your physical nature. And then it feeds back into your mind because your mind is separate from your brain. Your brain is the substrate through which your mind works and through which your mind plants these memories. And we will be talking in depth tomorrow about memories and the sower and the seed and how we can learn to control and build good memories and get rid of those bad memories. So essentially you have this powerful mind where you focus your attention, you actually are changing brain circuitry and you can change it back. So if you make wrong decisions, which we all do. So if anyone here says, well, that doesn't apply to them, come up now so we can cast the lying spirit out of you. Okay, so we all have issues, okay, and we all make wrong choices, but thank goodness for the blood of Jesus and the work of the cross, because when we confess, acknowledge and confess our sin, he is righteous and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to believe, we need to plant these scriptures, we need to memorize scriptures, so when we're in those bad places, when we're in the time of suffering, like the woman with the issue of blood and the things that we go through with, with our life, we need to have implanted and wired in good stuff so that that's what comes into our mind as we deal with the daily issues of life. You see, when you intentionally, let's look at the slide again, as it says up there, when you, your intentional and conscious powerful thoughts, listen, let me say that again, your intentional, when you intentionally choose to change something, your thoughts are so powerful that you are actually changing your brain. Please make sure that these are God's thoughts. Let's look at an, at an actual brain. This is a slide of inside a brain, and you'll see it's 
starting to move. This is an actual human linked up to a brain. We obviously, um, a human linked up to a brain. That really sounded funny. A human with a brain, okay, linked up to brain technology, various different types, and they are looking inside the brain, essentially, okay? So now that firing that you see is the result of various, various different types of brain technology, and they are thinking, you will not see this in a dead brain. In other words, your thinking, which is your what you're doing with your mind, your intellect, your will, and your emotions, as you are thinking and feeling and choosing, you are generating activity inside of your brain. Your neurons are firing up. There's an electromagnetic flow through the neurons of your brain. There's a quantum flow through the neurons of your brain. What you are thinking right now is impacting every single one of the 75 to 100 trillion cells of your body as I am speaking. As we go inside this image of the brain, this is looking at the circuits that firing up is thinking and that thinking is rewiring the brain. You design the landscape of your brain with your thoughts. Your powerful choices will change the way that your brain looks. You design what it looks like. Now, this is powerful because if you've made a mistake and you've sinned and you've reacted incorrectly and et cetera, et cetera, you can acknowledge, you can confess, and you can change that wiring. So your brain goes into action every time you acknowledge instead of suppressing, every time you recognize that that pain and that suffering and that issue that you're going through, when you acknowledge and bring it before the cross and bring it before God, the Holy Spirit will give you wisdom. He will immerse you in courage and love to be able to face the situation. But we're in a world that says drug all thoughts into captivity instead of bring all thoughts into captivity. It doesn't, so we need to start dealing with our stuff because if you suppress your thoughts, they will explode because they're not designed. We are wired for love. We are addicted to God. We are not wired for fear. We are wired for love. So when you make wrong choices, when you go, when you react to the traumas of life, which are not, obviously traumas involuntary and sin is voluntary, just in case you didn't know, sin is voluntary, okay? Traumas involuntary, but that's still in the fear zone. Trauma and, and sin are in this zone. And we have to deal with them. You can't suppress stuff. We're in a world that tells you suppress your stuff. Squish it down. Postmodernism is saying don't deal with these things. Just move on. It's a diseased brain. You're a biological automatum. You can't do anything about them. No, There's no responsibility, etc., etc. And that is incorrect because God says bring your thoughts. Bring them. Be consciously, intentionally aware of what you are thinking about. And renew how you are thinking about those thoughts. Because his thoughts are above our thoughts. Bring them into captivity. And your front part of your brain is designed that you are able to stand outside of yourself and observe your own thinking. You can evaluate your own thinking. You're right now listening to me and you've got input coming in from the screen. So you've got sound waves, you've got visual, you've got electromagnetic light waves going through your brain. That is going into your brain and setting your mind in action. As you are listening to me, your conscious mind is operating at about 2,000 actions per second to process what you are seeing and hearing as well as your other five senses. So information is coming in through your five senses and activating your mind and your mind is in action. And this mind in action generates that firing that we saw in that image a few moments ago. Now you control that firing. So you can say, okay, this is coming in. This is the situation. This is the life event or circumstance. This is the whatever. As soon as you open your eyes in the morning, it starts, life starts. Life is, well, the, the, the conscious awareness of life starts and you are reacting to things all day long till you go to sleep at night. And then we're processing and trying to make sense of those things while we go to while we asleep at night, which is why we dream. So as you respond to these things and they come into your brain, your mind goes into action. So the stuff comes in. At the same time, you have what we call a non-conscious mind. So your mind, which is your soul, which is your intellect, your will and your emotions has got these two parts. Your, your conscious mind and your non-conscious mind. And your conscious mind is powerful, only operates when you're awake, and it's much slower than the non-conscious mind. The non-conscious mind is extremely powerful as well, but it, it operates 24 hours a day. So your non-conscious mind is operating 24 hours a day. Very powerful, very active, very fast, not bound by space and time, and where all your trillions upon trillions of thoughts and memories, thoughts are the same as memories, your belief systems, which is the combination of your thoughts with all the emotions attached, etc. All of that is stored in your non-conscious mind. So as I'm talking to you, you've got the stream of information coming into your senses, activating your mind into, into your brain, into the hundred structures of your brain, activating your brain, and that's mind in action and then you have that stimulates thoughts to move from the non-conscious to the conscious. 
Now, the conscious mind is two, operates at about 2,000 actions per second, but the non-conscious mind is way faster. It operates at about 10 to the 27, which is so fast, it's... Trust me, it's really fast, way faster than the speed of light, okay? So you can't think of everything. There's trillions upon trillions of thoughts in your non-conscious mind. So what comes from the non-conscious to the conscious mind as you are, is going to be related to the incoming information. So we have existing memories that will somehow help us process incoming information. Even as we learn completely new stuff, we use some reference of the existing information to help us to learn that stuff, even if it's very basic. So here you've got my words coming in and I am stimulating from my words and the visuals certain thoughts to move into your conscious mind. So you've got things coming up. So things coming in and things coming up. Okay? And now you can choose to listen to the Holy Spirit in addition to that. So we have, we're going to learn much more about this tomorrow. So I just want you to hang on to the fact that you respond, stuff comes in, stuff comes up, and you can talk to the Holy Spirit. That is bringing your thoughts into captivity to Christ Jesus. That is saying, okay, Lord, this is what's happening. This is how I think I'm going to react. Is that the right way of reacting? This is a disciplined, renewed mindset. This is a choice to change. This is a choice to lean in to the Holy Spirit. And the most important thing that I can teach you as a scientist is the following. Set up a constant internal dialogue with the Holy Spirit. In that way, you will tune in and you will learn to use your love power and your sound mind in the best way that you possibly can. And you'll get better and better because renewing of the mind is a disciplined choice that you make and it is a lifelong process. So you don't just do it for like a few days and then stop or do it on Mondays and leave it on Tuesdays. It is a constant ongoing process. Renewing of the mind is something that we will do from now until Jesus Christ comes again. And I'm sure once we once we with once we with God as well, we will constantly be learning and using our minds as well. So this is a process and, and the reason I'm stressing this is that a lot of people kind of get the thing that you've got to renew your mind. But how do you renew your mind? Okay, so let's talk a little bit about this. How do we do it? How can we change? So just very quickly, quick, quick walk down scientific historical lane. Um, 30 years ago, I, was, I asked the question in my research, um, and it was considered ridiculous, can the mind change the brain? Because the mind was considered the same as the brain. And as I have laboriously now explained to you, the mind is separate from the brain. The mind is not the brain. The mind controls the brain. The mind plants memories in the brain. The mind activates the brain. So obviously, if you've got stored memories in your brain and you experience some sort of brain damage or whatever, that can impact how well you can access the memories that you've, that you've built. But that can all rewire because your brain can change, okay? Your brain is neuroplastic. So uh, if you want to know a bit more about my science, I did a TEDx talk. You can pick it up through TEDx or through, or through TED Talks or through my webpage. But I'm just going to give you a quick, quick rundown. Uh, many years ago when I was doing this research and I asked this ridiculous question, I basically worked with a, a, one of the studies I did was with people with traumatic brain injury. I did various different studies. And what you see up there, is an IQ, a chart of an IQ. Now, IQ is very limited. It doesn't tell you anything, really. It just tells you how you function today. But back in the 80s, that was one of the measures that I have. The reason I'm showing you is to show you how magnificently God has designed you and the power that you have to change. This particular patient, and this represents a group of patients as well, um, basically had severe, severe, severe severe brain damage from a car accident to the point where the patient was in a coma for longer than two weeks. Um, the parents were told that patient was going to be a vegetable. So that was literally what the neurologists and the neurosurgeons told the parents. They did not give up. They prayed over her. They played her favorite worship music. They played her favorite movies. They didn't allow anyone to confess negative over her. And they, that young girl fought back and she came around. And long story short, I worked with her about eight months after her recovery. And the miraculous thing is that she was very average as a student, wasn't very good academic before her accident. Now, after her accident, with quite severe brain damage, in fact, very severe brain damage. This young girl went from being a very average academic to excelling in her academics. In that, let's look at this, the graph again. In that day, um, there was not very much research about how the brain works. I mean, not, not, I mean about how, uh, when you, what your brain does when you've got brain damage. Sorry, I said that wrong. There wasn't very much research being done because people didn't believe that you could change the brain. So what they did know was that if someone had that kind of brain damage from a car accident or something, that their IQ would go down. Their intellectual quotient would get go down around 20 to 40 points. So here's the thing. If you direct your attention, if you use your mind, 
your brain will change. This young girl, her IQ didn't go down, it went up 20 to, 20 to 40 points. In fact, the neuropsychologist who worked with me with this patient, she, what she found was that she had become an absolute genius. She was off the charts. Before her accident, she was average. I'm telling you that to share with you the power of your mind. This is a girl who was written off as a vegetable who landed up absolutely acing it when it came to her scores. Um, in maths, for example, she was very weak at math and she became incredibly strong. She ended up on the 95th, in the 95th percentile. I mean, all her grades went up collectively when I worked across over the years with different groups of people with various different issues, what we found was that people, when, the, when you actually direct your attention, you can change your brain. So when you see the graph going up, it's where it's the same, and then you suddenly see the change. That is when someone has intentionally put effort into it. Now, why am I showing you all this stuff? I'm showing you to tell you that you control your brain, that those, the research studies that I have done, and there are thousands, there are hundreds of thousands of studies corroborating the work that I've done, of people that have worked with people with all kinds of issues. And when you direct your mind, your brain will change. You see, God is telling us when you renew our mind, we can fix the small and the big stuff inside of our brain. So our brains change. So our brains, if you look at this slide over here again, you'll see this is your brain. You control that. That brain is brilliant. We only understand about two, somewhere around about two to eight percent of how the brain functions. We do, what we do know is it's incredibly complex. And the complexity of the human brain, it should be complex because you are complex. You are made in the image of an incredible God. So what happens is that when you are thinking, when you're doing all this mind stuff right now as you're listening to me, as you are doing all this mind stuff, you are actually causing your genes to express. So your DNA has your genetic code and it's got little switches on it. And this is called epigenetics. Epigenetics is the signal that switches on the genes. And what research has found is that your, is your genes need to be switched on 24 hours a day. Your genes are working. There's different types. They work at different short, medium, and long-term genes. And they are constantly switching on in order for your cells to have what they need for life. So you are always expressing your genes. But they aren't self-emergent, which means they don't switch themselves on. Exactly like I have to switch my computer on, your genes have to be switched on. So I choose to make the decision to switch my computer on. My computer will switch on. As you are, in other words, there's a decision being made. There's thinking happening to turn my computer on. Same with your genes. Your genes are like a computer. They contain a program. They have to be switched on. They don't switch themselves on. So who on earth switches them on? You and I. We do. With our thinking. Thinking is the 75 to 98% switch that switches your genes on. Listen to what I'm saying. Your thinking controls how your genes express. You control the quality, quality of your life by your thinking. The other 2 to 25% is based on what we biologically put into our mouths. So obviously food and medication and creams and chemicals, all the biological components. And that together makes the 100% of the signal. So the chemicals flowing through your blood as well as the quantum energy flowing through your blood as a result of you thinking. Remember that colored slide where you saw the firing? That is a signal that is actually causing your genes to express. So right now, you at 400 billion actions per second and faster... You are causing genes to express. You are taking my words and the signals that you're seeing through your eyes. Your mind is in action. Thoughts are coming up. Thoughts are coming in. This whole mind thing is going on. And you are actually expressing genes while you're sitting here listening to me. The result of that is that you're making little amino acids. The amino acids group together and they form tree-like structures in, in, in the brain. They also, your thoughts as, you, as you're thinking now are also impacting your other genes in every single cell of your body. So the thought that you're thinking now is impacting all 75 to 100 trillion cells of your body. So you're thinking, and as you're thinking, you then feel, you, get, you experience emotions, because thinking and, and feeling go together, and then you make a choice. And then you think some more, and you feel some more, and you make another choice. And we have what we call these probabilities that keep building and collapsing. And as you're doing that, as you choose, it's literally like switching on a light, and the genes express, you make little amino acids, they group together to form proteins and form whatever your body needs at that moment, including building thoughts. So right now you are building little tree-like structures in your brain that look like trees. And this is why I use the imagery of trees because in the brain it looks like trees. So literally our thoughts affect our DNA. So if you look at the next slide over here, we'll see these... 
There we go. Our thoughts are actually impacting and affecting how the DNA expresses. You control your DNA. So when you're implanting the word of God, you are influencing your DNA in a very good way, which is logical, okay? So you can either build healthy thoughts, look at this healthy thought garden, you can build a beautiful garden. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. That scripture in Revelations 22, 1 through 5, we'll talk about that more in a moment. Or you can build a toxic thinking garden. That's your choice. You can build a, in the fear zone or you can build in the love zone. You are able to choose. But as you are choosing, you are causing genetic expression. Please be aware. Whether you choose well or bad, you are causing genes to express. When you're in this zone and you choose well, basically you are going to build healthy thoughts. Okay, the proteins will fold correctly. Things are going right. You've got the correct chemical balance, etc. In this zone, the proteins fold incorrectly. So you build these weird-looking thoughts. And that's why I use this weird-looking tree. And because this is a foreign thing, then your body recognizes this as a foreign thing and immediately there will be inflammation and the immune system is activated. In other words, your thoughts, your, your body is designed to recognize a toxic thought in the same way as it's designed to recognize something like a flu virus or whatever. In other words, thoughts are real things. They occupy mental real estate. Don't think a thought is harmless. Every thought that you're building is becoming something physical inside of your head. So you build these things and these things are not rewired for love. We're addicted to love. So there's nothing in our body to handle stuff in the zone. So it causes neurodegeneration, brain breakdown. We break down our brain. We cause brain damage in our brain. If we don't deal with the bitterness and the unforgiveness, if we suppress the, the issues, if someone has hurt us and you don't deal with it, if you've gone through a trauma and you don't deal with it, that's what it looks like. And the inflammation increases and the neurochemical imbalance it will increase and we have neurodegeneration and that will create neurochemical chaos in the brain and the body and then we start manifesting with all these symptoms because we are basically trying to deal with these things. Do you know research shows that 75 to 98% of illnesses, mental, physical, or illnesses physically in the body like cancers and cardiovascular disease, including the issues that are lumped under the big title of mental ill health. These, mental ill health is not a disease, okay? Mental ill health is basically your mind trying to get control back when we've got these things we have not dealt with. So when we make wrong choices, we actually affect our mental health, we mess up our thinking, and that causes brain damage. So wrong thinking, brain damage and that brain damage then causes physical damage in our body so every thought that we that we may that we choose incorrectly creates a physical change in the brain that increases the body's vulnerability brain and body's vulnerability to disease so <coughs> excuse me 75 to 98 percent of illnesses come from our thought life. Research in cancer research basically indicates that 98% of cancers come from our thought life. Cardiovascular, immune system, these physical things, so it starts in our mind, how we react to situations is going to change the nature of how we function. So we don't have to think, well, that's a death sentence, that's who I am, that's how I'm gonna be. No, that's not. That's why God says, bring your thoughts into captivity. Renew your mind. Get the healing flowing through your body. You also can't go into a situation of thinking, okay, so I'm sick, so I've sinned, and then feel all guilty. That's exactly what the enemy would like. He's a defeated foe, don't forget. So what we do when the Holy Spirit prompts us through our conscience of our spirit man is we can't acknowledge, okay, I messed up. Maybe this is part of the reason why I'm feeling sick. Who knows? You're not going to spend hours digging into why you're sick because then you'll feel even worse because you get guilty. What you do is you stand up strong. You acknowledge. You grow up. The church needs to grow up. We need to grow up and recognize that this is, this is call it what it is. Acknowledge what you've done wrong. Acknowledge the sin. Acknowledge that, that there's been trauma in your life, deal with the stuff and move forward, get your forgiveness and start moving forward. Now what we do know is because we are spirit, soul and body, as we are doing this confessing and, and acknowledging and etc. and I'm going to explain this over the next three sessions in a little more depth. I have also got lots of materials, 21 day brain detox, online programs, there's, there's various different online programs, etc. What we need to do is we need to start working towards spirit, soul and body health. We need to integrate our spirit, soul and body. We have to get our mind right to get our spiritual life right, to get our physical life right. We have to become actively involved and take responsibility in this process. 
process. So we cannot control the events and circumstances of our life, but we can control our reactions to the events and circumstances of our life. So let's look at this slide, and you'll see four faces, and you'll see that they are pulling faces. And you can see happy ones and unhappy ones. So you can't control the events and circumstances of your life, but you can control how you react to the events and circumstances of your life. Let me say that again. You cannot control the events and circumstances of your life, but you can control your reactions to, your reactions to, you have a love power and a sound mind. You have access to the Holy Spirit. When you're in a situation and you're bringing that thought into captivity, you are asking the Holy Spirit to help you react correctly, which means that you are building either a healthy thought if you listen or an unhealthy thought if you don't listen. So now when we've done the wrong thinking and we choose to ignore the Holy Spirit and we sin and whatever, and we land up building this thought, well, science shows us that we need time to physically break that down. So let's just clear, remember, let's just clear this up. We are spirit, soul, and body. As you acknowledge an issue in your life, as you start to deal with an issue in your life, as you acknowledge it, it moves from the non-conscious to the conscious mind. The minute you are consciously aware of something, science shows us that that, that thing, which is a physical thought with all its emotions and stuff, is going to become weaker. So when you are aware of something, it has become weakened, which is really good. Because that means with the help of the Holy Spirit, you can now con acknowledge, you can confess, and you can start eliminating that. Remember when you confess, he's righteous and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness immediately as you confess. But you live in a physical body, so you've received your forgiveness, but now there's a little bit of work, which is called renewing of the mind. So therefore, we still have to break this thing down because you have a physical thought that you built. It didn't just build immediate, it didn't just, what happens is that as you are building it, there's a process of time involved in building. And this is what we're going to learn about tomorrow morning in more depth. But basically it takes 21 days to build a thought. I don't know if you know that. To turn a thought from a short to a long-term memory takes around about 21 days. So if you're thinking about something every day, after about three weeks, you have converted it from short to long-term memory. You then continue to think about it for another 42 days, which is an additional two cycles of 21, you have now turned that into a habit. So if there's something toxic in your life that you're constantly thinking about, you are turning it from a short term to a long term to a habit. And then you practice that habit, and the more you keep it, the more brain damage, the more expert you become, etc., etc. That's in the wrong direction, but you can be doing that with the good stuff too. This is called the plastic paradox in science. So when we choose well, we build healthy, and we're going to take that 21 days to build healthy, and another 42 days, so three cycles of 21 day, 21, 21, 21, 21 to build from short to long to memory, 21, another two cycles of 21 to turn it into a habit or automatize it, which is the science word. And once you've done, that's intentional, that's conscious intentionality, that you're then changing the structure of your brain in a good or a bad direction. So it's taken time. So this took time to build, it takes time to break, break it down. So that is why renewing of your mind, you're working constantly on issues over time. And this is what most people don't get. Most people think, okay, well, I've confessed. And then you come back to church next week or something happens in the week when a month's time, you say, but I confessed that. Why am I still doing it? Why am I still thinking like that? Why am I still feeling this? Because you have to run your race and your running of your race requires requires a constant daily commitment to dealing with that issue. So we literally have to rip this thing out of your head. You have to eliminate it. And science shows us that that's what we do. Science shows us that we can actually break this down as we, day by day, minimum of seven minutes a day, we physically break this thing down. And it literally, chemicals literally flood that area and it melts away. So we have this ability by directing our attention intentionally to change our brain. But if you don't, if your heart's not in it, if you confess your sin but you didn't really receive your sin, forgiveness, you didn't accept that and you don't think you can get through this thing, well then that's not going to go away. It's going to actually get stronger. Okay, so you don't want that to get stronger because then this thing is still there and it's causing chaos in your brain. So research shows that if we react incorrectly to, to things in life, basically you damage the brain. I'm just showing you a couple of studies over here. How you perceive stressful situations will also increase your mortality. So if you're in a situation and life happens, we're, all in, we're often all in situations that we don't like to be. How you perceive that situation, how you react to that situation. If you react, okay, it's bad, it's, it's horrible, you cry, 
crying, it's, it's sad, it's, but, but you're saying, Lord, but I know you've got my back. In other words, when you rejoice despite the circumstance, research shows with that kind of attitude, you will decrease your chance of dying in the next 12 months by 43%. In other words, how you perceive it will reduce your mortality. How, but if you see this is the end of the world and you just fall apart and you don't see any God in the situation and you just, this is the end of the world and you're just totally negative, well, you've just increased your chance of mortality by 43%. People worry about Alzheimer's, which is on the increase, which is, by the way, a lifestyle disease, okay? They're just worrying about getting Alzheimer's will increase your chance of getting Alzheimer's by 63, 63%, okay? So in other words, what you're doing with your thought life is impacting you and your future, okay? So just in terms of, look at this slide over here, in terms of the effects of toxic stress. Okay, we're gonna see another slide over here. There we go, that's the brain, okay? And there's blood in the brain there. And that is these chemicals in the brain. And you're thinking right now, your brain looks like that if we had to rip it out and have a look at it, okay? You are changing your blood chemistry. As you are thinking now, you are changing what you are seeing on the screen in a good or a bad way. So I wanna show you this slide now. Have a look at this slide and look very closely. You'll see the red writing in the corner. I want to show you that as you are thinking, you can choose to change your brain. So now this slide is a slide of networks in the brain. Now remember earlier on I said as you're thinking and as you choose, you cause your genes to express. The genes make these amino acids which group together to form proteins. These proteins group together in your brain to form thoughts on top of things called neurons. I'm sure you've heard of neurons. So neurons form 20% of brain material and currently where we are in research it appears that that is where memories build. So you basically grow little branches and those branches look like tree branches I mentioned this and the little branches branches of the tree are called dendrites. So you are building dendrites at the moment at speeds of 10 to the 27 to hold my words and to hold these visual images. So this action you saw earlier on with that firing up brain, now watch this slide. This is slides of actual networks in the brain, actual memories. And if you look at where the red writing is and just look up diagonally from the red writing, you'll see it kind of starts shaking. And then there's a white little bubble, which is a cluster of dendrites, starts growing and then it pops. And this actually is your brain rewiring. So as you intentionally renew your mind and get the right thoughts around the issue, you know, let the Holy Spirit show you how to deal with your stuff. And the Holy Spirit, by the way, leads us into all truth. So you pop these neurons. If the worship team could please come up while I just show you this slide. Okay, so look at this over there. Can you see it's moving? Watch it the, just diagonally up from the red writing. Can you see that that little thing is pulsing, growing bigger? Watch how it moves around. It's going to go bigger and it pops. Did you see that? Okay, I want you to get that visual in your head because I want you to understand that when God says you can renew your mind, you actually are renewing your mind. This is evidence scientifically of the physical correlate that is happening in the brain, what we call a neural correlate, neural being brain correlate. The brain is the substrate through which our thoughts, which our mind moves and through which we pack basically store our thoughts and obviously it controls functions of the body. So we, our thoughts are not cast in stone in our brain. We can pull them up and we can redesign them. So when you bring a thought into captivity, when you rethink things through, as you gain more experience, etc., etc., as each day, the, this, what you're seeing up on the screen with that little thing popping and growing, that is change all the time. That is, that is what you're doing all the time. The average person doesn't go beyond four days. Most people, according to research, don't push through with change beyond four days. Now that is very significant. What does that mean? That means most people are intentional about changing, intentional about fixing something in their life, but they get to round about day four and then they kind of give up. And that's so sad because then they have to start all over again. Could you please stand up for me? And I'm going to pray for you. Okay, I've loaded you with a lot of information, so you definitely need some prayer. Okay. And I'm going to pray, and I want you to listen to what I'm going to say very carefully. I want you to hear a summary of what I've just been teaching you, but you're gonna hear this in the form of a prayer with music in the background. Just follow my instructions, okay? All you have to do, I'm gonna tell you to open and close your eyes. This whole thing's going to take us around about three to four, maximum five minutes. But this is a really good bridge to teach you how to start disciplining your minds and how to actually physically renew them, okay? So this is like a first step, all right? So basically, you, when, one of the most important things that I, that I can teach you as a scientist is 
to set up a constant internal dialogue with the Holy Spirit. Okay? It's the Holy Spirit who will lead us unto all truth. Not your pastor, not your, your, your loved ones, not your best friends. They're there to support us. We are there to say, how can I love you? We are there to immerse each other in love because we're wired for love. We are there not to judge each other. We are there to encourage each other. We are not there, this is how you fix your problem. That's not what we're there for. We are there to say, I see you going through something. I see you're in pain. I see you're in suffering. I see you battling with something. How can I love you? How can I support you? That's we not do this, do that, do this. That's not how you fix that. We're not designed for that. That is bad because then you'll tell people the wrong thing. You see, God knows what you need to fix right now at this moment in your life. And this thing that you need to fix right now at this moment, when you finish fixing this over the next 63 days, because it's going to take that long, obviously the confession and the receiving of your forgiveness, as I've already said, is instant. But the fixing up of the wiring in the brain is going to take these cycles because you physically built them, you wired them in, so you have to wire them out. You have to get beyond the four days, okay? And you have to do that with the Holy Spirit. The danger of asking other people, what should you work on? Or trying to get someone else to fix you is the following. You may, they may see something in your life that you, they think you should fix but you're not ready emotionally to deal with that. And if you start dealing with that issue when you're not ready to deal with that issue, guess what? You're gonna give up or you're going to be very hurt or you're gonna feel some kind of an emotion that's gonna drain you or something will go wrong. So that's why you have to say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to work on? What do I need? Sometimes your family will, will basically, you'll find that there'll be confirmation of yes, these are issues definitely in my life, but you need to get with God. You need to ask the Holy Spirit. And he's the best therapist, okay? So when you choose to use your love power and your sound mind to let the Holy Spirit guide you, major, major things will change. You see, if you work through these cycles of 21 days times three, you can fix up 17 major areas that are issues in your life per annum. And you may think 17 per annum is not a lot, just you can do the math, okay? But it is a lot because most people, most people in this room haven't changed much in the last five years. You've had really good intentions, but you haven't carried through. So now is the beginning of your time to change. Now is your time to walk into the future, to push through beyond. Maybe you just didn't realize that the fourth day and the fifth day, you're, you just, when you got demotivated, you didn't understand. Now you're learning this weekend, and you'll learn from my materials, etc. that you can change, okay? Also, to help you with all this stuff, I have a TV show as well that you can watch every week to teach you these concepts. But here's the thing. You have to first confess, but you can't confess what you don't know. So I want you to close your eyes now and I want you to take 10 seconds and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you in 10 seconds silent what it is that He wants you to work on for the next 63 days, three cycles of 21. Just close your eyes, absolute silence, just the music playing, 10 seconds. You ask the Holy Spirit to show you. look up at Mac and you'll see he's holding that toxic tree in his hand so I want you to do what he's doing I want you to reach out your hands and I want you to imagine that you are holding that issue in your hands now you may have had a multiplicity of things going through your head as you learn to zone into the Holy Spirit as you choose to consciously and intentionally focus in on what the Holy Spirit is telling you you'll see he'll tell you that one thing that you need to work on now. He knows the priority. He knows the order of fixing things in this renewal of the mind process, which you will be doing for the rest of your life, okay? So now, for just for 10 seconds, I want you, in holding this up, I want you to close your eyes, and I want you just to confess this. Yes, it may be a trauma, and you might think, why should I confess the trauma? I was abused or whatever. But if you've kept it, if it's been revealed to you, you're not confessing the trauma, you're confessing hanging on to the trauma. And maybe unforgiveness is around that. Because when you, un when you don't forgive someone, you're still connected to that person, and they can still hurt you, and they can still get into your life. And as they are speaking, because of the principles of quantum physics and science, the way God has designed it, every word of poison that they think can speak over your life, even if they're 10,000 miles away, will physically go in your head and make that grow bigger. Unforgiveness, you cannot afford. We cannot afford unforgiveness because it keeps us connected to the source of the pain. So yes, you may have to forget, ask God to forgive you for not forgiving and not letting go and letting Him come in and heal. He is the healer. Okay, so I want you to take 10 seconds 
And I want you just to confess your sin and I want you to receive your forgiveness. Do that now. Remember, He's righteous and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, now, I want you to kneel down. And as you kneel down, I want you to imagine that you're entering into the throne room of grace. That there is this magnificent, beautiful, glorious throne of grace. You see, we are designed to reflect His glory. We are designed to be image bearers of Christ. We are designed to reflect this glorious majesty. And if our minds are so torn up and so traumatized, we can't be image bearers of Christ. We can't reflect His glory to the world. So as we come before Him in the throne of grace and we kneel down before Him, I want you to reach out and I want you to take that glory blocker, that gift blocker, that toxic issue, that ugly, toxic thought in your brain and I want you to physically place it down. Look what Mac is doing. Look up quickly. Look what he's doing. Put it down. Now put your hands on your thighs and rock back away from it. Kind of move away. Do not take it back. God says, cast all your cares upon Him. He has forgiven you. You no longer need to hang on to that issue in your life. He's forgiven you. That is over there. You are over here. So now we're going to work on a process of getting rid of that in our brain. And that's going to take the next 63 days. And you'll learn a little bit more about how to do that tomorrow. But there's something I want you to do first to end of this evening and to help you to get into this mode of thinking. So that thing is over there. I want you now to thank Him silently. I'll give the instruction first and I will give you 10 seconds. When you thank Him, your brain releases chemicals that change your brain, that literally fertilize your brain. Your brain goes into a state of excitement. Remember, your brain responds to the choices of your mind. As you start thanking God, you are connecting to the throne of grace and you are allowing the energy of God, the light of the world to pass through you and to physically move through you and through your brain and bring healing to your brain and to grow networks in preparation, like literally fertilize your brain to help you to to regrow these new networks and destroy the old networks. When you thank Him, there is a vulnerability and a weakness that will happen in the toxic issues and a strengthening that will happen in the healthy stuff in your brain. And then, so when, what I want you to do now is silently on your knees for 10 seconds, I want you to thank God that He's gonna help you through this issue, that He's gonna show you the way. You're gonna say five sentences beginning with, Lord, I thank you, dot, dot, dot. You're going to fill in the dots all silently. Five sentences beginning with, Lord, not I praise, not I worship. Lord, I thank you that you have revealed this to me, this bitterness that I've been holding on to. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me despite the, I don't know what your words are, those are just examples. This is between you and God. Do not do something else. I mean, do not get distracted by the enemy and pick up another tree. You are to- thanking God that he's helping you through the toxic tree that you have placed at the throne of grace. Don't get distracted. Okay, 10 seconds now. Five sentences beginning with, Lord, I thank you. Be as specific as you can. Research shows that the more specific you are, not blanket statements, I want specific. This is between you and God. He knows it anyway. Be as specific as you can at this moment. And you're not trying to solve everything now. This is just a few moments. You've got the next 63 days to work through this issue. We're just starting it tonight. But be as specific as you can and as detailed as you can in your five sentences. Five sentences beginning with, Lord, I thank you. And I want you to reach across this auditorium and hold hands. Everyone holding hands across the left and the right, reach out across the aisles. No broken, broken chains. Every single person, if you're on the end of the aisle, reach back. Every single person needs to be holding hands. Reach back, reach across the auditorium. Everyone on your left and your right side holding hands. Reach across, find it, find it. Even join a cluster. Even join a cluster. Everyone, join hands. Okay? Everyone on the left and right, reach your hand back there, sir. Everyone, reach your hands back. Okay, everyone holding on the left and the right, close your eyes. We are joined by love. When we thank God, He listens. 
He listens to us when we thank God, but when you praise God, you will feel His physical presence. Squeeze those hands. This is Jesus. He is standing in front of you. He inhabits your praises. As we step deeper from thanksgiving into praise, you will feel His praises. Squeeze those hands. That's Jesus. He's standing in front of you. He's holding both of your hands. He is looking into your eyes with all the love that only God can give us. And He's pouring His love through you. And every single one of your cells is being immersed in His love as we are speaking. Your blood chemistry is changing as you are epigenetically changing the signal of your blood as you receive His love. And now I want you in this state to say five sentences silently once again. Five sentences, ten seconds, beginning with, Lord, I praise you. And as you say them, be as detailed as you can. And as you say them, squeeze those hands. He's in front of you. He's holding your hands. He is looking into your eyes. He's immersing every part of you in love. He loves you. And in this environment of love, you will have courage. Five sentences now, beginning with, Lord, I praise you. It's about the same topic. Don't change topics. That thing you laid at the throne of grace that you thanked him for, now you're praising him that he's going to give you the answers. Be as detailed as possible. When you thank God, He listens. When you praise God, He's by your side. When you thank God, your brain literally became like fertilizer for great stuff and preparing to destroy the bad stuff. And as you praise Him, your brain starts growing networks that will scaffold those good thoughts inside of your brain. There is major gamma activity in your brain. There is major oscillations in your brain, which means that there's high activity pushing you into a high intellectual state. Your brain is changing in an incredible way. It is firing up in preparation for change. As you thanked him, he listened. As you praised him, you felt him by your side. Now I want you to raise your hands. I want you to raise your hands above your head as high as you can. Lift up your hands and stretch up to the ceiling. You are going to step from thanksgiving, you stepped into praise. And now from praise, we are going to step into worship. When you worship God, you are going to focus on him. Listen carefully. When you thanked him, you were focusing on your stuff. When you praised Him, you were focusing on your stuff. But when you worship Him, you are no longer focusing on your stuff. You are focusing on Him, the King of kings, the King of glory, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one and only, the beginning of all things, the end of all things, the source of all things, the one and the only. I want you to raise your hands. You're not trying to get anything from Him. He is not a genie. Stop begging Him for stuff. He's done everything already. When you worship Him now, don't think of yourself. You've thanked Him. You've praised Him. He's got your back. The solutions were already done on the cross. You worship Him to access the miracles in your life. When you worship Him, you open the door to the miracles. When you worship Him, you are loving Him. Don't think of yourself. Raise your hands now and worship Him like you've never worshipped before. This is not about you. This is not about me. This is about our King. Let's raise our hands and let's worship like we have never worshipped before. And why should we worship? Because He is God and He is good. Let's worship our King. Thank you for listening to this series. For more information, call 616-534-4923 or visit us at reslife.org.